Good morning. So appreciate just one of the lines in that last song we sang. Um, Let your goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to you. Isn't that a neat line? I don't know how many of you um, are like me, where the many things of many issues of life and and just the day-to-day living gets me distracted and pulled away and out of focus. But maybe you're just like me. I, I tend to think that people, the longer I've lived, the more I see people everywhere are just the same. So I hope and pray this morning that as we spend time together, I'll be um, sharing some about what's going on in New Guinea and some from the word. I hope and pray that God is in focus, that Jesus' name is lifted up here, both in your hearts and in your actions as you walk out of here. And then that as we spend time seeing God's goodness and his great hand at work, um, that his name is lifted up. So a little bit to, I'm going to kind of kick this off um, this morning with a short video. Uh, you heard that we're missionaries. My name's Nate again. Um, my wife is Elizabeth, and our kids know Tim and Elias. We, we've been living in New Guinea since 2007, and right now we are part of the Messy People Group. I guess we are kind of adopted, pretty much. 40 miles from the nearest road, and, and that kind of is, is hard to fathom. We went and began to live with people who don't uh, know written language, no accurate gospel presentation, not really any literacy, no, no exposure to the truth, right? And that was in, we, we li- began to live with them in 2010. And God is building his church. And this is going to be a little bit the story of God building his church and a little bit the story of why we call it the messy church. Um, so... With that, I'm going to show a short video, I think, and uh, we'll see what's next. I would want to leave a legacy of serving others. Um, lots of parts of this culture, parts of almost every culture, really, is all about me and what I can get and what's in it for me and looking out for number one. Um, and so to see people moving away from that is, is really awesome. If I need to taste defeat, you walk me through the fire until I see the heart of your desire. You carry me and through these dark and raging seas. I guess um, a lot of people at home would be jealous to see some of the eagerness that we see in the faces here and in the lives here. They really want to know, they really want to know how it works and they want to put it into practice. And it's not just something that you say or talk to out of obligation and it just goes with the wind. My loss is where you start to form in me your will Until my love is a reflection of your love for me And through these dark and raging seas Your grace has not been 
got the uh, God's word with them and to see them standing on that firmly and not listening to every other talk that comes up or every other every new idea out there um, standing firmly on the word of God. I'm really excited to go through the whole phase one again. We decided just recently, after we did some interviews with people who want to share their faith, that it's still pretty sketchy. Mm -hmm. um, and I would really love to take this on as kind of my first teaching project. What do you feel like is the biggest challenge for the messy believers right now? I think there are some big challenges. I think one is um, that right now a lot of people said, yes, I want to believe, mm -hmm. and there are no costs really involved. So for some people, um, their heart might not be in it. So it's just a kind of lip service thing. I think I really want people to to be encouraged and to be solid in the world, that they would fall back to when they're struggling with things, that the whole book would fall back to the world and the word, and that they would um, encourage each other with the word. And they would want to study it, and they would feel like this is their lifeline. And for these storms, I thank my God. God will send the messy people um, to the rest of the messy people that haven't heard God's word. We'd like to see them in the next couple of years uh, do their first outreach. Yes, you drove me to the solid September last year. Since that time, we've seen 21 men raised up as Bible teachers um, and training. And we've seen a whole new evangelistic um, outreach kind of started with, we're seeing 100 people coming every Sunday to listen for four hours. Some of them are hiking for three and four hours to get there. Um, we've seen a new literacy school actually opened and it graduates in two weeks. Um, new new people, people in a completely different village, um, getting to read for the first time. All that said, what I'm here to say to you is God is great, and he's building his church. He's building his church. He's building it here in Auburn, and he's building it across the world. And all glory to his name, right? Yeah. If you turn with me um, in your Bibles, if you have them, to 1 Corinthians, we'll spend some time there together. Um, while you're turning, I'm going to tell you why we call the messy church the messy church. Turns out that in the messy language, which is its own unique language, there are six villages in New Guinea, 1,800 total people. They speak the messy, uh, the Paul language. They call each other messy. So instead of saying, hey, buddy, or hi, friend, they'll say, oh, messy, gorp. And that would be a good greeting. So... We actually do have a patent on the name Messy Church, so that's kind of 
I'm thinking about possibly, you know, merchandising that. But uh, Messy Church is really kind of the, it, 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 we do have a patent on not just the name Messy, but the actions of Messy too. And that's, that's really what is beautiful about the book of Corinthians that we're going to spend time in today. As we've been teaching the Messy Church, we've taught them before they were believers, we taught them from Genesis through the cross in 65 lessons daily for four months. And after that, we, began, we went back through that whole story. Once they were believers, there were believers there. We went back through that whole story, confirming what they'd already been taught. And after that, we went through the book of Acts, telling them about, about how God was building his church, that his program has never changed. And then after that, we t- went through the book of Romans. And we didn't just do it once, because everybody knows you go through Romans once, right, Pastor? Once, and it's like, whew, twice, and maybe you get some of it. Three times, oh yeah, now you're starting to get into the meat of it. We've gone through Romans and Ephesians, building up the church in terms of its identity, building up the church in terms of the gospel, building up people in terms of how they relate to each other and how the gospel informs them. And now we've come to the book of Corinthians in the messy church. And you know what? The book of Corinthians is awesome because it's written to a messy church. It's written to a carnal church, the church that that seem to have all the knowledge in the world, but its priorities upside down. The the church that said to Paul, no, we've got it, buddy. You don't know what you're talking about. But then by their actions showed they were really all, not all that mature at all. They really didn't have, understand it. And I think that that's, that kind of is a neat place to be for a messy church and messy people Real people, actually, I like to call it, real people. Real people who struggle to keep our priorities straight, aligned with what God would have us align our priorities. So if you just dig in with me in Corinthians for a bit, we will, uh, we're actually going to look at some of the things I get to teach in the messy church, some of the things that have been particularly um, sweet to share together. And I hope in that same, t- in that same sense that they're sweet to you as you hear God's word and, and um, are worshiping him with me in it. Okay, let me see. I'm going to, oops, I was informed about the right way to click this and I totally did it wrong. Okay, so just in case you missed it the first time, yeah, out in the middle of the bush, 40 miles from the nearest road, No written word in their language 10 years ago. And they're not unique. There are 18 people groups in the Edelbert Mountains of New Guinea. And one province of 18 provinces, one language group, this is the messy people are one language group among 800 language groups. Um, There is work to do to bring God's truth to people in New Guinea. If you're considering a life path, maybe your career change, um, I wholeheartedly will ask you to consider um, being part of reaching people who are unreached. There are tons of people out there, the messy people particularly, were very open to the gospel and very remote. Um, okay, let's, let's dig into Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles out, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll, we'll kind of take an overview and, and kind of... I'm kind of going to be a tour guide today. We're not going to do the detailed historical, um, I don't know, docent kind of museum 
view of Corinthians, a passage in Corinthians. We're going to kind of be the bus tour through the book of Corinthians a little bit. I'm hoping that is okay for you. Um, Basically, in in Corinthians, in the first part of Corinthians, Paul confirms that the Corinthians know the gospel, that they're believers, that they're saved, that they're redeemed people. If you look with me at 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 2, or 1, line 2, sorry, it says to this, it says this, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints, by calling with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So just reminding us, a messy church is full of people who've been redeemed and they're still messy. Do you, I don't know, sometimes that's hard for us to, to process or to grasp a hold of, isn't it? It's hard to be messy people. It's hard to need God's grace. It's hard to recognize that we still have a lot to learn but we do. And the reason why, again, is so that we can focus on God as the author of salvation. It's really clear in Ephesians. If you bump down, if in case, in case you were wondering um, about what kind of people God called to be in his church, you can go down in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 28. It says this, for consider your calling, brothers, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, the base things of the world. And the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. And we'll go on to 29 there. And so that no man may boast before God. Consider your calling. I hope you'll permit me to say this. Messy church. Real people. Consider your calling. Not many of us. I know I'm not one of the wise or the strong. Not one of the smart, the powerful, the wealthy. Consider the God who chose to redeem us for a minute. And just bask in that as we take the next steps through this. There's not much that we can, when it all comes down to it, there's not much that we can stand on, is there? Uh, But God, ah, no wait, not much that we can stand on that would make us beautiful and redeemable and lovable except for the fact that God's character loves us. By By his perfect character, his perfect love is applied to us. It's pretty neat. So if, our, if we're starting Corinthians and talking about believers, we're talking about redeemed people, you and I, the messy people, and the Corinthians all together, guess what? The Corinthians got a lot of things wrong. And yet God, and Paul still calls them saints, doesn't he? Isn't that neat? That's encouragement for me. It's real encouragement. What he doesn't do, though, is to say, hey, you messy people, stay messy. In fact, he says he calls them as 
believers to come back into alignment with the truth that they already know. He highlights for them over the course of Corinthians the difference between their actions and their priorities and as they were played out in among the Corinthian believers as opposed to God, what their actions should, could be and what their actions would be should they have aligned themselves to God's truth. In fact, I would posit that that's a definition for idolatry, isn't it? The idolatry in my life comes out or is there when my priorities, the things I call important, are different than what God calls them, those things that God calls important. When I place a different priority on something than what God places a priority, the, the God-ordained priority of that thing, I am operating in functionally idolatrous. Take a think about that. If I'm wrong, talk to me afterwards. But I think that's, that's a good function, uh, definition for idolatry. So our actions actually reveal our priorities, in, and we see that in Corinthians. Just a reminder of what the gospel says. Again, what does the gospel say to us? We, we like in Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9, most people memorize that for something like Awana or maybe Sunday school, right? For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself so that no one can boast. It's the gift of God. The context there, isn't that a beautiful context? Think about Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. Let's pull this out, out of the context of a focus on men, but focus our, put our, ourselves in God's priority list. Put ourselves in God's priority list in, in terms of the gospel for a moment. If you'll read that with me, it says this. But God, God is rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So that God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of Wait a second. What's his priority here? His grace, his reputation, his character played out in the gospel as it applies to us. The wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The Corinthian church, original messy church, forgot that, didn't they? The original messy church forgot that. And in, in fact, we often are forgetting this gospel as it applies to us. We're idolatrous in terms of our priorities. Is the gospel all about me? Well, no, it's not. It's clear that it's not, is it? One of the things that's so neat about working with the New Guinea Messy Church is as we're talking about these things, originally, when they heard the gospel, they thought it was about material goods. Oh, you white people, you know the secret. You know the truth. 
oh, you white people, you'll tell us if we're only just right and just nice to you in just the right ways, you will give us the secret to your wealth, your health, your happiness. Here they are coming 65 lessons every day, sitting, listening to us stumble through some messy talk place. And that talk place would be language, I'm sorry. That's another different language even yet. Would you like to hear some of messy talk place just to get, it, get your ears on it? Okay, let me do this. Okay, um, I will give you uh, Ephesians 2.10 in messy and Paul. It says, uh, <laughs> So that's what it sounds like um, to speak in Paul, the Paul talk place. But originally, five years ago, four years ago, there's no way I could have said that. I would have been much more a halting. That would have sounded very much like a three-year-old in English. Uh, but they sat through that 65 lessons to hear something other than this, to hear something about wealth or health. But now as they're grasping the gospel, as they're understanding that, they're, they're beginning to let the gospel inform their interactions with each other. They're beginning to let the messy church become a little less messy as God sets their priorities, as they're based on the truth that God can can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. Wow. Have you thought about that for a minute? You get to be a trophy of God's grace for eternity. You and me in the messy church. And that actually is going to inform how you treat everything, how you decide what you're going to do every day, how you're going to be with your family, say a brother or sister or a wife or husband or a father or mother. It's going to inform how you act at work or at school. These, this important part of the gospel and the Corinthians were missing it. Okay. So, in Corinthians, back to Corinthians, what they had, they had decided was, or the Corinthian church hadn't decided, they thought they knew it all, didn't they? They thought they had the gospel down. And if, you're, if you haven't read through the book of Corinthians recently, I'm just going to give you a quick, um, try to make that sound effect. All right, I'm going to give you this. So in Corinthians 1, Paul introduces himself, he introduces the gospel, and he, intru- and he says, hey, you guys, remember, remember who you were when the gospel came to you. It's not important who teaches you. There was conflict in the church over who was the the teacher, um, factions in the church over teachers. And Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he he goes on, talks about that some more. Then he talks about jealousy in chapter 3, and he goes on to talk about how there are conflicts between them because they're missing the gospel. He goes on, chapters 4 and 5 and 6, he talks about license being a problem. He talks about, um, now I'm, hold on. Yeah, okay. License is a problem for them. And, and I'm gonna have to look at my notes because I just had a bit brain blip. It's okay. 
Okay. Um, imbalance and following their, their own thinking, taking a small point and making it big. He, he spent some time about talking about marriage, and he talks about aligning their lives with what God's, God's truth is. He talks about meat offered to idols and whether or not that should be an issue in the church and how to deal with that. He talks about how they interact with each other. He talks about communion. He then talks about how they worship together and what that should look like. And he's saying that the whole point, every piece that he's talking about is align yourselves to what God's version of priorities are. Keep the big things big and the little things little. But don't be the ones who boss that. Okay. Okay. Now, if, if you've ever tried to teach someone to look through a telescope, you can get some funny pictures. Okay. So, um, we're going to just take a few um, points out of um, Paul's um, walk through idolatrous living. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 3, and then we're going to again look at um, leave, uh, 10 as well. So, in one of the things that marks idolatry, marks a lack of true priority, lack of um, understanding of the gospel in our churches and in us, right, is jealousy. When I'm jealous, what have I said is important? Me. Me. Have I, have I missed something in in Ephesians, have I missed that God is, is making his character and his goodness and kindness, the wealth of his grace to us, to be made on display for eternity? But when I'm jealous, what have I made important? I've made me, my plans. Why, God, I've said to God, no, sorry, you got your priorities out of, out of whack. That person shouldn't be above me or below me or more blessed than me or, or that there shouldn't be, this shouldn't be, I should have that, my position. Jealousy in the, in the messy church in New Guinea is huge. It's very difficult for us in messy culture because everybody is fairly poor. About, think about this, $80 a year of income on average, a year, okay? It's very difficult to give any kind of gift, any kind of honor, any kind of position to someone without there being jealousy coming out in the church. Hey, wait a second. Why are you the teacher? Hey, wait a second. What? Nate gave you a pen? No. Oh, man. I, I can't believe it. But you know what? Jealousy is that lack of priority, good priority. And the Corinthian church was struggling with it. In chapter 3, you can turn there with me. Um, this is what it says. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as, as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you're still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? They got their priorities wrong, guys. The priorities 
wrong. How often do we get our priorities wrong and are jealous of, wait a second, you guys don't struggle with jealousy, do you? Never. Not at work or school or home. Nobody worries about what size dessert they're going to get. How big that steak was. Who got the, oh wait, it's my turn, my turn for picking the show tonight. What, guys, it's, we are so good at thinking we're important. And yet jealousy is that, is that evidence of idolatry in our lives. And it's evidence of idolatry in the messy church too. And they're working on that. Guys, I actually got to see this. This is something that you, you'd be like, oh yeah, fine, yeah, right. I got, one of our guys actually took the other day, he, he grabbed, um, he knew a friend who was not related to him, um, and not really his close friend, just another believer, needed nails to build his house. And one of our guys went home, got two bags of nails that he'd saved for. And bags of nails aren't a big deal to us because we have hardware stores. But rem- remember, they don't have hardware stores in the bush, 40 miles from the nearest road. These are a big deal. And he just gave them to his friend. Here you go. Generosity is, is like the anti-jealousy, isn't it? It is. When I see stuff like that, that's the change of putting a gospel in focus in a church, in our lives, right? So in our church, and I'm, now I'm going to say in this community, in our church, are we letting God inform us, the gospel inform our lives so that jealousy is not ruling us? Are we generous with each other? Are we generous with work, position, name, honor? Or do we want some of that for ourselves and holding on to it? Guys, messy churches is truly messy. And I'm sure that if you're like, like them, which you, I'm sure you are, just like me, um, that this is something that we can all look at and address. Okay. Let's take a look at another evidence of idolatry that's, that Paul addresses in Corinthians. Um, license. Anybody deal with license in your, in your life? Oh, no, I'm disciplined. Oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm careful about what I eat. I'm careful about what I watch. I'm careful about all these things. But are there not areas in each one of our lives where we say, oh, you know what? I've been working so hard. I need a little bit of grease. I need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And that's what happens in the messy church too. License. I've been coming to church so much. I should be, we've had this problem. I sh- I've been coming to church a lot. And this, this is going to sound weird. These guys will say, I've been coming to church a lot. It's cool. I'm just going to go walk down in that other guy's garden and, and eat some of his food. That's cool. I'll check his trap for him. He won't mind. I'll, no problem, right? I'll just take a little bit of the funds that we have set aside to help the poor and maybe use them for myself. Guys, idolatry comes, leads to license. No matter what we do, what, what area it may, I don't know what, I, what, what that might look like in your life, but license is, is probably there. License is there because we are all idolatrous people. And that's why we're going to be on display for eternity as God's, showing God's character of mercy and grace. And the messy people, they're going to be on display for eternity is, is God's evidence of his mercy and grace. 
Um, in 1 Corinthians 5, there's an, uh, an idolatrous situation, a licensed situation, where sin in the church, and everybody's turning a blind eye to it. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. We're all, we're all adults here. We can deal with this. God's graceful, God. It's not a big deal what that guy does. Was that what Paul said then? No. He said, no. No. Truth is, align yourselves to what God says. Don't let license, don't, don't hide under his grace, but love his grace so that then be conformed to it. That's what he says. There, in the Corinthian church, there was, they, they were, we call it courting. They were taking each other to court in, uh, all the time over hurting each other. And Paul said, what in the world is this? This is not truth. This is not how God, this is not the gospel lived out. Here you are knowing all these things. Oh, church. Oh, church. Inconsiderate behavior. He says, oh, yeah, hey, some of you guys, some of you guys, you guys are just eating the, the, eating the communion, the um, rejoicing meal really fast and not leaving any for these other guys. Some of you are, are not considering people who've been offering, making offerings to idols all their lives. You're not considering those things. What are you doing, church? Is that God's gospel? No. No. All right. So I think um, I, I would like to actually, sh- I'm gonna, going to need to move quickly now. Um, I have talked to you quite a bit about these idolatry pieces and aligning and misalignment in the church. Um, but at the, at, to sum it up, to get to a point where we are thinking about each other and encouraging you to think about each other, to be transformed and informed by the gospel in your daily lives. I would like to read these verses out of Corinthians 10. This is what it says. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's, there's one loaf. We who are many are one body for we all share the one loaf. And what, after all that, guys, I said a lot about idolatry, didn't I? And those things are evident in our own lives. I want you to walk out of here both praising God for his grace and introspective about what areas you and I have that we're holding on to and saying, nah, I still am bossing this. I'm still bossing this. Because that's what our messy church is doing right now. And that's, that's, that means that's growth. That's church growth. That's individual growth. That's what's going to make God's name great in the community here in Auburn and in New Guinea. But I want to know, hey, what's going what's to destroy idolatry in our lives? What is this talking about that's going to destroy idolatry in us? It, he says, is it not that we, when we share the cup, what are we thinking about? Christ's blood. When we break that loaf, what have we shared? We've shared in remembrance of Christ's body, and that is the gospel. The gospel will break idolatry in us, guys. The gospel breaks idolatry. And the more we apply it, the more we cling to the truth of what God's done and really done for us. It's so amazing the transformation we see. 
And we get to have my family and our coworkers, we get to have the front row seat on a transformation of a nation. The messy nation. Guys, God is building his church and he's building it here among you too. Please cling to the gospel. Let it break the idolatry in, our, in your hearts. All right, with that, I would like to just put this up. Um, our messy church work is not done. Your messy church work is not done. We're a generation away from emptiness, right? From a, a dead church. The messy church in New Guinea, we've got of the six villages that need to be reached, we've got one that's where the church is, is digging in and finding root, taking root. And we have five more to reach. We have two language groups, one on one side, one on the other, who are saying, hey, give us some of that. And we're short laborers. We don't have people to send there. Our guys aren't, aren't ready to go yet. There are big things happening. God's doing big things. But it really does. It starts today in you and I as we take his gospel and we cling to it and we say, God, defeat the idolatry in my life. Is there anything today that I have out of whack in my priorities? So I would just like to have you do that for a minute. I will pray and ask God to do that for me and us and then we'll close. God, we, we love your gospel. We love the transformation that the truth brings. God, we know this isn't about us. It's about you. It's about what you've done with your son. We see that love is giving up our rights and taking on the needs and needs of others. God, it's about putting your name first and your character applied in our lives. We're thanking you for your example. We're thanking you that you're building your church in messy, messy people and messy places. God, would you, would you bind the, your truth to our hearts? Would you weave it into our daily lives here in America, in Auburn, the community, foothills. Lord, in New Guinea, in the Adelbert Mountains, in a place that most people forget about, messy people. God, would you make your name great and honor yourself? Amen.